This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Exodus chapter 3, and uh, Moses is talking with God. He's dealing with God about about the children of Israel and about leading them out of Egypt because he is the deliverer. He's the picture of Christ in delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he is, it's an important passage, but this, this question that Moses is about to ask God, Moses is already asking, why me? And uh, that was a great question. We discussed that yesterday, but today he is going to ask a very consequential question. And it's an important question. And oftentimes, as we read through this passage, if you're just reading through it for maybe a Bible study, maybe a year-long study through the Bible, or maybe you're reading it as a part of a Sunday school lesson, or there's just no telling where you're liable to come across this, you pass it by. But maybe it is one of the most consequential questions that was asked of God personally in Scripture, and that in that God gives a very long answer. And we're going to spend a couple of days going over God's answer to this. But the, but the question is very important. And the question is a question that, that matters. And it matters for Moses. It matters for his mission. It matters for the people of Israel. And you know what? It matters for you today, too. And that, that question and that answer are questions that are asked in the hearts of men all the time. And that is how God first begins to reveal himself is when we realize that there is a God. And when we realize that God does exist in our hearts, the next question is, who is he? And what is his name? And that's what's asked here. It says in verse 13, then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, notice he's not, he's not totally said, I'm not going. <laughs> I, I, I think that's important to, to remember when you're looking at this. Moses is not just totally opted out of God's plan here. And you go, of course he didn't. That's not, of course he didn't, because he, his first question is, why are you sending me? I'm not, I'm nobody. I, I, in fact, he's basically saying, this is not a good choice, God. You could have come up with a better a better one. I'm not the pick. And God God tells him that he is the pick. He's been the pick since the foundation of time. He's the one God has chosen. And I think it's neat that Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the, to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And he is, he is being very intelligent. This is an intelligent question because he's saying, I'm going to have to answer this. This is going to, I've got, before I get Pharaoh to let them go, I've got to get them to follow me. 
And boy, that is some insight. And it reveals for Moses, the best way for me to say it is it reveals for Moses his understanding of leadership, his understanding of people. And that makes Moses very important, very an adept pick by God, obviously. But Moses understands that you just can't, you just can't go and tell Pharaoh, uh, let my people go because the people may not go with me. I've got to convince not only Pharaoh to release them, but I've got to convince, I've got to convince the children of Israel to follow me. And, and I need to be able to tell them who sent me. And you go, why didn't he just say, who shall I tell them sent me? Because that's not what matters. What matters is if I'm going to follow someone, following someone and being willing to subject yourself to their leadership requires that in some ways you trust their character. In some ways you trust who they are at as an individual, who they are as a person. And that means that you got to know them a little bit. Nobody just follows anybody because I'm not going to say that. Nobody who has any sense is going to follow anybody just based off of their looks or their reputation or things like that. People have to be convinced on their own. They have to be convinced of their own volition to follow someone. And in this situation, the truth is that the truth is that Moses is, is, is a man who was known in Egypt but not known for a good reason because he was a part of the Egyptian family. He would have been known as an oppressor, not as one of the children of Israel. He has access to both camps, but the truth is that he's got a bad reputation with the Egyptians because he killed uh, the taskmaster, and then he's got a bad reputation with the Jews because he was raised in Pharaoh's household. And so there's going to be some antagonism on both sides toward him. And he understands that I've got to have an answer for this. And that answer is a great question because he says, what is your name? And names mean nothing to us today. We pick names based off of the way we like, the way they sound or how cool they are. Or maybe one of the things that's really cool today is we name children their last names rather than first names. And, and so that there's a lot that goes into naming a child today that really has nothing to do with their character and nature. But the truth is, historically, people's names meant things. And if their names didn't quite line up with their character and nature, their names got changed when they became adults. Because names always qualitatively, uh, they always identified someone. And your name is an identification of your character. And that's why in scripture, God has so many names. And the reason he's gotten so many names is there's not just really one human word or one human thought or idea that could ever qualitatively, quantitatively, or any other way describe the full character and nature of God. It's just not possible. It's just not something that would be even something that we would think would be, would be able, we'd be able to do. The truth is that God's name is powerful and God's character is, is mighty and great. And who he is can't be identified by one, one name in human language. And his names in the Bible reveal all the different aspects of who he is. His greatness, his love, his power, his work in the world, all the Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh, all those names reveal aspects of how he he relates to men. And then you've got Yahweh and Adonai, and you just keep going through name after name, and there's hundreds of them 
that are attributable to either <clears throat> the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit. There are hundreds of them, and they all speak to some part aspect nature of his character, his character, who he is as his, at his core, how to identify him by by how he relates to his creation. And that's what a name means. And so Moses asked a great question. It is a fabulous question. And it, by the way, it's not a question trying to get out of it. The first question was trying to get out of it. The next question is going to be trying to get out of it. But this question is a really good name. And what's such a good name? It's because God's going to spend a lot of time explaining it to him. God's going to tell him everything that he wants to know about his name because people need to know. People need to understand. And as far as being lost, being being enslaved in Egypt, his name is going to matter. And they they feel like that they're never getting out of this. They feel like that there's no hope, that all is lost, and they are stuck where they're at. And you can see that at work in what's going on with 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 the and the answer. God says to Moses in verse 14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. Now, those are powerful words, and we try to come up with all kinds of ways to explain what this means, because it seems like a riddle if you think about it. I am who I am. That's, okay, you look at that. I don't really know what that means. What it means is very important, but you got to know the language. You got to know a little bit of Hebrew. And what you need to understand is this is a tenseless word. It's a tenseless idea. What it means is that God God exists. It means that I exist everywhere. I exist in all times. I exist in all space. I am. I am everywhere in everything. I am the beginning, I am the end, I am the initiator, I am the ender, I am everything. And if you want to if you want to box it in, you can't. There is no box. What God is saying is I exist. I am God who exists everywhere. If you when you see me in the cool of the evening and the sunset, that's me. When you see me in the little phone running across the field, that's me. When you see me in the smile of a baby in the crib, that's me. I am everything. I am all things. Now, that's not pantheism and that's not God is nature. That means that God is the author of everything. He is the former, the creator, the maker of everything. And it's not that the creation is God. It's that God is that creation reveals uh, all that God is and all aspects of him are revealed and shown to us in creation. He is every, he is everywhere. He is all things. And that's what Romans chapter one kind of explains that that what might be known about God is clearly seen in that which he created because his creation is a reflection or a manifestation of all that he is. That's why we can seek him out. That's why we can know him and understand him. That's why we can see him in life because life itself and the creation itself is a manifestation of who he is, of his character. It shows him. It reveals him. 
All that might be known about him can be clearly seen in that which created, so that man's without excuse. We can see God, and he is telling the children of Israel, sure, I'm the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But by the way, Jacob's been dead for 400 years. Jacob's been gone for a long time, and Joseph's been gone for almost 400 years. And so the, they, who was your ancestors 400 years ago? You got to go to Ancestry.com. You got to give them a little saliva in a cup and you look, be able to look it up on, on through your DNA. That there's not, most of us don't know who our ancestors were 400 years ago. And that's true of the children of Israel. They knew who they were, but they didn't know them. They didn't have a knowledge of their character and nature. They didn't see them in the world and in life, and they don't know them. But you know what? You do know God. Everyone can know who God is. Everyone, the Bible says the fool in his heart says there is no God. What the Bible's telling us is that God has revealed himself not just in Jesus Christ, not just in his word, not just through his church, but God has revealed himself <coughs> in all that he's created. God has revealed himself in all that he's made. And you're without excuse. God has shown himself to you and you can know him. And uh, we can know him through his son, Jesus Christ, and his finished work. We can know him through him being the answer to most of the important questions in history. He's the best answer to where the universe came from. He's the best answer to who started the universe. He's the best answer to the moral or the true quote, the truth that the universe operates under. He's the best answer for how things are going to end. He is the best answer for almost all the great answers of history. He is the best answer for that. And he is the author of those things. And he's revealed himself in the hearts of men so that he's not even remote and set aside. He's actually one of us in the sense that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, that he might know us intimately and we might know him intimately through his son. So in all those things, God has revealed himself to us and you can know him. You can, you can know him completely. And so when God said to Moses, you tell them, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you, which means I exist. God has sent you. The God who made all things has sent you. Whew. That's some good stuff, isn't it? And that's really how God presents himself in the hearts of individuals when he first reveals himself. He says, I'm really here. It's me. It's God. I know this is unbelievable. You didn't expect to get talked to by the creator of the universe, but I am here and it's me. And I sent my son so that you might know me. And I, what I want you to do is I want you to turn to me and let me help you with life. Let me lead you through this life and all the promises of this world, the things that you see in this world, and the things that you cannot see, I am the one who brings it. I'm the one who gives it. I'm going to take care of your faults and your failures, and I am going to make you one of mine. And so what you need to do is you need to follow me because I exist. And that's how God changes the world, one person at a time. And if it's done right and it's done by his followers, when we present him as he really is, when we present him as he presents himself in Scripture, the Spirit of God moves mightily in the hearts of men. And that's what it's all about. And that's what makes this question 
and this answer so timeless and so powerful. I hope that you will see God this way more and more each and every day because he just is. He was, he is, he ever shall be. When he says I am, he is. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he give you hope and peace today. In Jesus' name, amen. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.